This is the Five Point Play Podcast, Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast. Not the not the result that we were looking for. 78-73 Arizona at home. Didn't think the camera crazies brought up for the majority of the night. There's a lot of blame to be passed around, included on this podcast. You know, we uh, we we all predicted Duke to win that game. I certainly thought that Duke was going to win that game. And let's be honest, we had our moments, we had our opportunities to to kind of put our stamp on that game and take it away. We just didn't do it. And the mm-hmm. the beauty is is that there's a lot of learning moments that can happen from this game. There was a lot of overreactions from from our from our fan base. Understandable. I know where a lot of people are coming from. We had a AC where we have two hour long spaces. Pablo, you were there. At least. Yeah. I mean, it was a long spaces. You know, people want to get that stuff off their chest, and I get it. But I think it's our job here to kind of bring everybody back to earth, say, you know what, let's talk about some of the mistakes. Luckily, Jack, AC, Pablo did a phenomenal coach's corner on Patreon today, kind of breaking down the film a little bit. And what went wrong, and it was a little bit more in detail than just, uh, you know, Ryan Young shouldn't play, Sean Stewart should play, and, you know, uh, John Shire is a terrible coach, and you know, whatever it is, he's, he's taking some of the fan reactions out of it and actually breaking down the X's and O's and bringing it uh, to understanding pro- probably what the coaches were doing late Friday night into early Saturday morning. Uh, here's mm-hmm. what we have to change. Here's how we can improve. Because really, as cliche as it is, there's going to be a lot of learning moments from that game that will propel us not only to Tuesday night, but for the rest of the season. And AC, one thing that you brought up on Stacey's after the game, and I kind of want to start there, is you kind of believe that the rotation and the game plan and things like that for Michigan State is going to be very similar to what we saw against Arizona because mm-hmm. of how coaches prepare. So just kind of give the people a little bit of an understanding of what you mean by that. Because I think it's a really interesting point and a really fair one that most fans don't take into account. Yeah, man. I, I mean, you think about it this way, right? Like, we just played Friday, and then we're back to Michigan State on Tuesday. So that means you had a – more than likely had a rest day or a light practice on Saturday. Sunday, today, they might have had a full practice, possibly. But then you got to take travel into account because they're they're going to – I believe it's in Chicago, right? Right. Um, so we got the travel that you got to take into account. And when they get there, it's just going to be a walkthrough. Like they'll have a little bit of a shoot around. They'll have a walkthrough. So it's not like you had practice to be able to change things up from what you saw. So really what they've probably done is looked at film said on these actions, we need to clean some things up, but we're still going to do the same thing we did. They're still going to run pick and roll, pick and pop with flip. They're still going to spread the floor out and try to create driving lanes and angles for, for germ and for, for Tyrese. And hopefully, I mean, we did the coach's corner for the game. Some of the things we noticed and some of the things we saw in general were just poor spacing or or lack of movement off of some of the other actions. So maybe they add a cut here or there or, you know, a couple little wrinkles to the offense here or there, but they're not going to change a lot. And they're not going to change a lot with the rotation either. I mean, they, they've had the, the, the guys that they've been working with now for the past couple of weeks leading up to these games. They're going to continue that. So I, I don't see much changing. Like the people who are angry at Ryan Young, it wasn't his fault. Like the Arizona game was not his fault. 
And we're going to get a healthy dose of Ryan Young again, like another 15 minutes of him. And he probably, he probably is going to have a good game against Michigan State, quite honestly. So I just don't see a lot changing. Maybe we see Sean Stewart in the first half this time instead of just the second half for three minutes. Maybe we see a couple more minutes for him in the beginning, near the beginning of the game to try to infuse some energy. But outside of that, man, I really don't see much difference. Yeah, it's funny you brought up Ryan Young again because he played 13 minutes in this game. You know, you would have thought that he played 40 the way right. some of the fan reactions that happened uh, after the game. And I'm not sitting here saying that Ryan Young played well. He didn't. But he was far from the reason that they lost that game. Tyrese, uh, I'm a guy that said that he's going to be – Shaq, I think you're the same way, right? I thought he was going to be first-team All-ACC, first-team All-American. I thought he was going to be ACC Player of the Year. He still has a chance to do all these things. But these first two games, I mean, he hasn't been the Tyrese that I thought was going to come out. Jack, I mean, I feel like, you know, what we saw from Duke, you know, we lost that game. It ended up being five points. It was a little bit, you know, close. I mean, it's five still close, right? But it was a game that was kind of neck and neck, and we had multiple opportunities to win that game and kind of pull ourselves away from Arizona. But I still feel like Duke probably played about as bad as they could have against arguably a team that is a Final Four team in Arizona. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, that's Arizona's a talented group, obviously. Uh, Duke lost by five, but two of those points were a buzzer-beating dunk. So Duke lost by three plus two. Um, you lost by three to a team that is a, that has a very good chance to play in April. And you are a team that has a very good chance to play in April, and you play basically as poorly as you really can, with the exception of second half Jeremy Roach. And you lose by one possession? You have a chance to tie the game on your last possession? Obviously, it sucks to lose, but I really don't hate the result, given the context. Like, you play the worst game, hopefully, of the season. You lose by five points, and two of those points are a last-second unnecessary dunk to a Final Four contender. You're in good shape. Yeah, Coach P, I want to bring you in on this and kind of take it a different spin. What can Coach Shire learn from from what happened there? I, I didn't, you know, I, I we all have the most faith in the world of Coach Shire. What do you see from him, you know, in terms of what he can learn from not only the X's and O's perspective, kind of you know, end of half, end of game, timeouts, you know, a lot of different things that I saw that you can improve on. What do you take from, you know, where you look at the film again, you break it down, where can Shire learn the most? Yeah, probably uh, for me, it's just probably just game management. Um, and that, you know, obviously adjustments and all that fall under game management, but so does uh, personnel, playing time, and a lot of other things. And then just timely play calling. Um, especially when you, you know, you see something isn't really working or um, you see that Arizona is doing a certain thing to to counter what you're trying to run and just being able to adjust on the fly, you know. Um, and I think a lot of it, too, is, you know, um, I, I, what I notice is that these guys look for him to call a play like all the time instead of just playing basketball. You know, what I mean, sometimes you got to you got to break away from that and not be a robot and you got to just go get yours. You know what I mean? And um, I think that's one of the things I've seen some people on Twitter say is like, Oh, 
your guards need screens and all that. And I'm just like, you don't know shit. You know what I'm saying? You don't know shit about basketball. You don't know shit about basketball. And that's just, that's just frankly it. You know what I mean? And I get disgusted by some of the stuff that I see. And you know what I mean? Some of the blame that was thrown around, a lot of it, you know, was to Ryan Young. It was just ridiculous as hell to me. Um, but overall, I think, you know, John Shire, he's probably looking at the film and he's probably, probably slapping himself. You know what I mean? Because they weren't, you know, it wasn't like big adjustments that he needed to make. It was just small things. And, you know, the, the thing is, though, is that I'm encouraged. You know what I mean? I, I'm definitely encouraged. I'm not discouraged by what I saw because I know that, you know, he'll get better uh, with his game management and, and the players will play better. But we do need our guys to play better. Um, if Tyrese is going to be like first team All-American and he's got to play like it. Um, obviously, he's still got 30 plus games to go. So he definitely I definitely see him, you know, getting there. But, you know, we want to see Tyrese that we saw towards the end of the season last year. So, but overall, we're fine, man. I'm not, I'm not worried about anything. I'm just ready to go out there and, and smoke the shit out of Michigan State. And then everybody else, they, you know, that'll shut everybody else up, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I think that's right. And and I want to stick it, uh, stay with you here uh, because you brought up Tyrese. That was going to be the question I was going to ask you, Coach, is we talked about this during the game where we thought that he was kind of second-guessing himself there was a lot of times, especially in the first half, kind of right out of the gate, where Tyrese took some really good looking shots. They were just a little mm-hmm. strong. I kind of attribute that to, you know, too much nerves, too much energy, he's too amped up. They were all long. They all looked good. But then he kind of got a little bit in his own head, it seemed to me, where he kind of started second guessing himself and started saying, you know, maybe I'm going to pass this one off or maybe I'm going to drive in, not knowing if I'm going to shoot, if I'm going to pass or whatever. What does Tyrese need to do to kind of get himself free? Because you kind of brought that up where, you know, they're looking to, you know, to Coach Shire to run a play or call a play. Tyrese has to be that guy on the floor at all times because he's that kind of yeah. player. We've seen it. So what does he need to yeah. do to kind of get himself free? So what I used to tell my players is – um is don't worry about me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to be fine. You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about me trying to, you know, micromanage anything. And you really, honestly, you know, just from, you know, what I told my guys when I coached and when I told my guys in the military, you got to just say, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? You got to go out there and hoop. You know what I mean? But I think some of it might be is that I'm not sure how many minutes Tyrese played, but I know he played a lot of minutes. And his job was to chase Caleb Love around. He did a hell of a job on Caleb Love. So, Maybe, you know, I chalk some of honestly, I chalk some of it up to fatigue um, because he did make some uncharacteristic mistakes that he doesn't normally do. Um, But overall, like he just got to, you know, he just I don't know, maybe he just got to change his mentality a little bit and just say, fuck it. I'm elite. I'm better than you. I'm better than everybody on the court. And I'm going to show you why I'm better than you and why I'm better than everybody on the court. If he does that, you know. I think we'll see a better product because I think that's what he kind of did last year. He just said, fuck it. I'm fucking better than you. I'm better than all these guards out here in Tennessee. And he showed them, you know what I mean? So a lot of times, you know, it's this mindset. Um, I'm not, I'm to be honest with you, I'm not worried about him. You know what I'm saying? I know he'll, you know, he'll get it done. I, and I honestly, I think he'll have a big game <laughs> against Michigan state. He's going to have a big game. Um, I'm not sure who, you know, who they going, they, I can see them, uh, he'll probably guard Hogard, 
because Hogard mm-hmm. is a bigger, bigger guard. And I think Jeremy Roach right. will probably chase around uh, Tyson Walker. And if that happens, you know what I'm saying? That's cool. You know what I'm saying? And it takes some of the pressure off uh, Tyrese, you know, as far as defensively. And I, I see a big game, you know what I'm saying, on the horizon, bro. And and one thing real quick, too, uh, with Tyrese, just looking back at the film, he wasn't necessarily set up for success either with the way we ran the offense. Like, there was a lot of, like, a lot of spacing issues, a lot of guys not mm-hmm. in the right spot, not not in the right places for him to make the passes he likes to make. Nobody ready for lobs, like you know, lo- lots of things. There were there were also a lot of things in, in play there where, kind of like like Pablo was just saying, man, like try at that point you try to get your own, but it was just so difficult for him to even try to get towards the basket because of the way they sagged. I mean, it's essentially like you're playing against a matchup zone, so it it was difficult for him. It was a difficult night. I know we brought up against Dartmouth how it felt like he didn't have a great game, but then you look up and he had eight assists and everything else. But, you know, that's the other – the guys on the team, you know, help make that happen. It's, assists is a two-party option. But when you when you have a game like we had against Arizona where assists weren't a part of the game plan really because we weren't able to get good shots off of, you know, off of easy passes, it, he, yeah. his game definitely didn't look as good as what it could have, and he probably was frustrated by that, I would absolutely assume. Yeah, and real quick, uh, before you uh, finish off on that, TK, is this that a part of, you know, a big part of Jeremy, uh, not Jeremy Rush, Tyrese Proctor's game is, you know, like last year was, you know, getting to the basket, throwing a lob, you know, he didn't, he didn't have that, you know what I'm saying? But as soon as you've seen, as soon as Kristen Reeves came in the game, he had that. So it yeah. brought a different dimension to uh, Tyrese Proctor's game, you know what I mean? Because he normally gets into the lane, you know, he plays off two feet, you know, I mean, jump stop, reverse pivot. Yep. He'll shoot it or he'll throw a lob. Uh, as soon as Christian Reeves came in, got it right away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, it was pretty much over with. You know what I mean? He didn't have that lob threat anymore because he definitely wasn't about to throw one to, to Ryan Young. So, you know. You're, yeah. you're as good as throwing me a lob pass down there as you are to Ryan Young at that point. <laughs> uh, we have yeah. the same vertical um, at this point after my Achilles tear. So. No. But no, but but joking aside, I think you're right though. I think that that is definitely a part of it. But I would like to see Tyrese be a little bit more assertive, and mm-hmm. even yeah. if he knows that he doesn't have that lob right there, that he's good enough where he can get into the lane. He's so good with that. Get into that free throw area, step back, knock down that mid range jumper. That's something I'd like to see him go back to. He did it once, knock it down. Go back to what you know, what you're great at, and you, even though it's coming, like you can't stop it. Pause. Yeah. But like that is yeah. one of the things Whoa. that I know I was reckless, but like that's Whoa. one of the things that <laughs> that's one of the things that Tyrese can certainly do, and um, you know I'd like to see him do more of that in terms of you know kind of like overall roster wise. Um, Jack, I'm bringing you in on, on this one. You know the the numbers for Philipowski. He obviously had 25. He had eight rebounds. I don't even think he played that great. I thought he played. Solid, you know, it, it wasn't a game that I thought he did. I thought there was a lot of plays that he left out there. He's still a guy. We talked about this in the last podcast, Stacey, where he's leaving some of those, you know, close look range shots, not finishing those. I'd like to see that cleaned up. I'm a little bit worried now after two games that he hasn't cleaned that up. You know, if it hasn't happened over the offseason, maybe and it hasn't translated in the first two games, maybe it doesn't. But Jack. Overall, <laughs> in terms of the roster, anybody else stand out to you? I mean, 
the lack of minutes for TJ Power is a little confusing to me. Um, you know, you need shooters in a game against a team like Arizona, and you didn't see him at all. That's just a little weird to me. Um, obviously, I would have said the same about Jaden Shoot had he not been confirmed to be redshirting, but, you know, when you have a guy who's a legitimate pro prospect because of his jump shot and he's not playing, it, it makes you ask questions, you know? Like, Sean got three minutes. Okay, Sean got a little bit of run. It's not not what <laughs> any of us want. We've already covered that, but there's no TJ at all. It just feels really weird to me. Yeah, that, was, game like that. that was a defensive strategy, in my opinion. Like, TJ was, wasn't going to give us something on the defensive end that Mark or, mm -hmm. or the others would have given us. And, and I mean, Jaden, he's – we don't have to worry about it. I'm not going to bring him up, but yeah, the, the shooting, the shooting is one thing, but again, like just with the, with the way the offense ran, like even just sticking a shooter out there, wasn't going to change what Arizona did unless he replaced Mark, which yeah, you're not going to replace Mark with, with TJ power in, in those scenarios. And the guards, you know, the, the guards were, I think the guards would have did better than what TJ would have been able to do in that game in particular. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I don't see, I didn't see a, a spot for him in that game. Just, just yeah, the way, the way the offense ran and everything else. I didn't, I didn't see a spot for him in that game. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you, uh, AC. Um, I mean, I would like to see him play, but mm -hmm. um, just, just from a coaching standpoint, you know, I've been in the fire for things like that. And it's like, that's a gamble. You know what I mean? Because normally when you do stuff like that, you're, you're trying to get something, but you're giving up a whole lot. And what they couldn't afford to give up was a whole lot of defense. You know what I mean? They could, they, they can, obviously, you know, a three-pointer will be great, but what else are you giving up on the other end? You know what I mean? So I think mm -hmm. TJ Power, he just needs to figure out some stuff on the defensive end. And I think he'll definitely play because, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Guys like, you know, Kyle Singler wasn't exactly defensive savants. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. But, you know, but their heart and their hustle carried them a long fucking way. So, mm -hmm. You know, I and we think, held uh, that he was just in a position he couldn't give that up. <clears throat> yeah, Go we, ahead, we held Arizona the held Arizona to thirty five percent from three, and that's prior to the two big threes that Pella Larson hit towards the end of the game. They were under thirty percent. Like our our three point percentage defense is still top notch. Like yeah, that's not changing, which is good. Like you you definitely want to be able. That's something you for sure need to carry into March. I and I would honestly sacrifice that over the rebounding any day. But yeah, like AC, but... AC I, I wanted to say that because you kind of harped on the, the rebounding differential and you kind of brought it back to the 2001 team that won the national mm -hmm. championship. And you said that they got out rebounded every game. Every article you read post game mm -hmm. from this Arizona loss was well, let's start here. Duke got out rebounded 45 to 33. Tell mm -hmm. people why, in your opinion, that isn't as big of a deal as people are making it out to be. It's all like rebounding is that rebounding is a situational act. Like, yes, there there's a skill in rebounding, obviously, and there is a need for rebounding. Like, you that, that's for for instance, offensive rebounding is extra possessions. The 2009 2010 team benefited from that with adding Brian Zubak in, and we became an elite offensive rebounding team. Yes, sir, throw that Z up. We became My an elite God. offensive rebounding team and a team that was not efficient offensively. 
you gave them extra possessions to be able to make another shot or at least attempt to make another shot. Because that team, like, let's be honest, we look back at that 0-9-10 team, they weren't the, the most efficient team scoring-wise. They just were able to play really good defense and they were able to, to pick up a lot of offensive boards. This team in particular is a really good we have we have an efficient offense for the most part. This game not so much, but you can see the the potential for efficiency here. So I'm I'm not so worried about the defensive rebounding and, and the offensive rebounding. Like we're gonna get rebounds, we're gonna get enough boards <coughs> to win games, but we're so good at stopping the offensive rebound leading into the three-point shot. We're a very good three-point again, very good three-point percentage defense. And we have enough size down low. Once that rebound does go up, we do have some offside shot blockers and some help that does come down. Like you saw it against Arizona. They got a fair amount of offensive boards this game, but we had a lot of help off, off of those boards. So they didn't get a lot of put, they didn't get a lot of straight up putbacks this game. So, so that that's where I look at like the rebounding. The... What's up? Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, my you good. I just, I'll finish, I'll finish the statement up real quick. I'll just say, I, I didn't look at, yes, they, they got some extra possessions that we didn't get in this game, but we had the exact same pace as them in terms of possessions per game or per minute for the game. It ended up being about 77 possessions for each team. Um, so the pace was right on the, we shot better from three than they did. Like we, we did a lot of other things better than they did. It's just, yeah, they got a couple extra possessions out of rebounds, but a lot of those possessions didn't lead to scoring. So it's, it's a circumstantial thing. Like you get a rebound, you can turn it over right after that. And now you're leading the rebound margin, but you now you have also have a turnover that led the points to the other side. It's all circumstantial. Yeah, and just real quick, I'll just read some stats off from the game. And if you look at these stats, it's really staggering, man. And you'll see that Duke should have won this game because it wasn't a big margin that we got uh, outplayed in. So rebounds, Arizona had 45 total. We had 35. They had 15 offensive. We had 10. Um, assists, they had three more assists than us. We Both teams shot 56, uh, 65 field goals, um, mm-hmm. and they had – uh, as far as uh, points in the paint, they had 40 to 32, but their second chance points, it was 13 to eight, which is still kind of close. But in a five point game, that's why you lose right there mm-hmm. is because those five more second chance points, which all five of them, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, all five of them led to free throws. Yeah, that was the problem right there. You know what I mean? So if we could secure some rebounds and keep these guys off the free throw line, which I think they only shot six more free throws than us, then mm-hmm. we're fine. We win that game. You know what I mean? We win that game by seven, eight points, you know? So it's just a matter of, uh, you know, it's just the little things that we got to shore up. But like I said, yeah. I'm encouraged by what I saw and we're going to be all right. We whipping Michigan state's ass. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Well, yes, we're going to, we're going to preview the Michigan state game in a minute, but I want to talk about this game just a little bit more. Because I think you brought up a really good point in terms of we have so many different opportunities. So let's go to like individual opportunities where, you know, especially in that second half, and there were a couple in the first half as well. The end of the first half was terrible. We had opportunities there to kind of take that game, go up by one, go up by two, or at worst be tied, and we let them go on a what an eight oh run to, to close the half, mm-hmm. two run. There was multiple times in the second half. And that was when the crowd finally started getting alive because I thought they were pretty pitiful overall in the entire night. And I don't want to hunt on the crazies, but they're just not the same. I think we can do an entire podcast on that. I don't want to, you know, really delve too in, but I wanted to bring that up. I want to say, though, that there were multiple times where I can remember specifically 
Mark Mitchell, makes a play on defensive end, comes down, has an open three from the top of the key. It was a horrible decision to take that shot. And then lets them get down and get an N1 on the other end. So that's a five-point, six-point swing. Okay, mm-hmm. you look at that, we win the game. That doesn't happen, we win the game. If And I'm not picking a Mark Mitchell. I'm just using that as an example. There's multiple times where oh, yeah. someone else did the same type of deal, right? So, you know, I look at that, and then I get the back, okay, well, how did the actual game play out? Offensively, I looked at it as there was a lot of pounding of the ball, a lot of pounding of the ball, lack of movement, lack of ball movement. Where can we, AC, get a little bit more creative, even starting with the Michigan State game, to stop kind of the stagnant offense that we saw? Because you said that we that we have a decent offensive flow, right? We have a deep, mm-hmm. deep, decent offense. So where can we start to see quick changes to that? To be able to say, okay, we put up seventy three points. We play, we play, we play poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like we talked about on Coach's Corner a little bit the way that they were playing sag, and I, I would assume that Tom Izzo is going to start out that way. I assume he's going to have his guys sag back. Now Izzo is one of those guys who doesn't. Yeah. That's not his favorite thing to do, right? Izzo he likes to be in your face. He likes to have play man all the way, you know, fifty feet out from the basket and everything else. So we'll see if he does take that approach with the game plan. But I would assume after seeing the success Arizona had with it, you might see a little bit of that wrinkle from them uh, to kind of start the game, maybe holding Sissoko back underneath the basket or something, uh, put one of their uh, – put Malik Hall or somebody else on flip and just try to work him out there on that uh, that pick-and-pop area and stuff. But r- running the offense from the free-throw line and, and or having somebody along the baseline, dunker spot or in that dump-down spot against that type of defense would have been – I think that would have been very successful – and I think it would have stopped Arizona from doing exactly what they wanted to do the entire game because they never changed their defense up once. Um, that, that was something we really lacked. We lacked action along the baseline. Everybody was kind of stuck on the wing and kind of stuck stuck in the way because every time we drove, you had four blue shirts at the free throw line, at least four, if not five blue shirts yeah. at the free throw line stopping the drive. So we, we, we didn't have much room or many angles to drive until towards the end of the game when John actually kind of got creative started setting some screens early near the top of the key and near the near the top of the offense to switch Keyshawn Johnson out on the guard. Um, so I, I think we'll have, we'll have a, a game plan in place in case Izzo does try to do that. But I mean, it, it'll play in our hands with Michigan state's personnel that if, if they don't decide to do that, then we're just going to, we're going to run what we normally run and it'll be successful because against man, generally it's going to be successful. Yeah. Jack, I want to bring you in and kind of switch gears a hair here. In terms of rotation, you know, that was kind of the, the big, you know, immediate reaction from a lot of the Duke fan base. Wanting Shaw Stewart play more. Caleb Foster, you know, he played his 12 and a half minutes, but really wasn't a factor. You already mentioned TJ Power. What would you like to see? And I know to AC's point, you know, it's tough to do a big thing for rotation-wise, you know, coming this quick to another game. But what would you like to see John do in terms of rotation going forward? Let's kind of start with Michigan State, but then going forward, you know, because I, I think that Sean Stewart obviously kind of, you know, we talked about this a lot where John spoke about these players all have it in front of them. Show me that you deserve to play. I thought Sean Stewart did that. Where would you like to see the rotation? Where do you think it goes? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit. You know, I, I've been a fan of the idea of platooning two, two uh, five-man lineups. But 
I think it's going to more than anything be matchup based who plays and who doesn't on any given day. Like, you know, I, I feel like obviously you're going to see a deeper rotation throughout the, uh, the non-con set, but I think there's a, there's a chance that we maybe do see a little bit of TJ power against Michigan state. I think, I don't think it's a big chance. I think there is a chance we see it though. Um, I think we're probably going to see a little bit more Sean Stewart. I think, Again, I just think it's all matchup based. I think I'm a little disappointed that we didn't see much Reeves, honestly, last game. Uh-huh. That's that's the one guy that I think kind of, I guess, uh, contradicts my point of it being matchup based because he is a perfect matchup against Arizona, and he got like what three minutes, uh-huh. right? So at all the know. at all the guys you named, I feel like Reeves would have been he. I think I feel like he would have made the most difference against Arizona. He would have. He would have, and he played three minutes. Yeah, Honestly. I think that's fair. I mean, look, it's... I'm a guy that is. I, I think that you know, of of all of us, you know, and he's not here. He'll be back for our next podcast. You know, all all of you guys. On really high on the Reeves fan. I think ACU and I are most aligned with thinking that, and again, I'm a broken record, right? It'll be mid-January, late January, early Mm -hmm. February for Reeves. But I agree with you in terms of he didn't do anything to me that said, you know, you don't deserve more than two and a half minutes. Especially, you know, and ACU, I totally understand your point. I'm not saying you're wrong in terms of the game plan, sticking to the game plan. But one of the things that I thought to myself is these are valuable minutes. Give them a couple more here. And I'm usually never that guy. Uh, I hate being that person. Oh, well, let's, let's give them five minutes. When does it hurt? Like, But in a type of game like this, for a player like him where you were expecting him to be someone mm-hmm. and the, the, the guy that he's going to replace isn't producing, what is the harm in giving him a couple more minutes to, to maybe make an impact not only in this game but down the road? I think they did that with Antonio Vrankovic in the ACC semifinal. Yeah, I think I think Shire can do it in a November game against Arizona. Like, I think so too. I, I think uh, I, I thought Ryan Young was good with some things off ball. I thought Ryan Young was good holding his man off to allow Flip to get boards and Mark Mitchell to get boards. I thought he uh, he held position well in, in certain spots, and we missed him. There's a lot of cases we looked at the film. There's a lot of cases he was just missed on bad passes or bad looks and reads. Um, so I, th- I think that makes his night look a lot worse than what it actually was. But there were some areas as well where loose balls or, or long rebounds, things like that, where a seven foot one player like Christian Reeves would have snagged it. Ryan Young was incapable of doing so, and that's just it's just the nature of what it is. So I mean, I'm still with you. I'm still with January. I think is when we start seeing him make the consistent impact. But a game like this, like Jack has just said, like there's no harm in, in bringing him in for a game like this to to try to make some of those impact plays. And I thought he, I thought he could have. Yeah, that's fair. I think uh, we can wrap up the Arizona thing. I do want to touch on um, Sean Stewart. You know, again, that was a you know, Coach P. That was a, a huge part of the band's disgruntlement myself included, I thought that Sean Stewart in the three minutes that he played showed a lot to warrant getting more minutes in that game. Did, did you, you catch John's press conference? I did not, actually. Where he said, uh, somebody asked him specifically about Sean, and he said uh, he said he learned something tonight. He said he learned that Sean Stewart is a player that can contribute. 
Okay, so Coach P, I mean, maybe that answers my question. Are you, are you there with, with, with John sitting in the press conference? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, like I've been saying, I'm high on Sean Stewart. I think he definitely can contribute. I just don't know how much of a difference he would have made in that game uh, just due to other guys struggling. You know what I mean? The offense struggling the way it was struggling. Yeah. So I'm not sure. You know what I mean? I don't think – I honestly don't think that that changes Arizona's game plan at all, you know, putting Sean Stewart in. I think they would have still played the same drop coverage. They still would have kept the big in the middle and it wouldn't have changed much. You know what I mean? I, I, I just, it just, I don't know, man. It's hard to say. It's hard to say because, you know, obviously Sean Stewart is a very different player than Ryan Young. But um, if a, if they want to play defense the way they were playing, you need somebody that can stand out there and hit the shot consistently, you know. And I don't mm-hmm. think Sean Stewart is there consistent, consist, consistent-wise as far as, like, shooting from deep, deep like that. You know what I mean? He can hit some shots, but – you know, I don't think three ball is his specialty. So um, I don't, I don't really don't see, you know, him being inserted to that game, you know, changing much for the long term. you know, short bursts of energy and short bursts, you know, of things that he did good. Yeah. He did, did great. I was very, very happy to see that, but uh, I just don't think that it would have changed the outcome of the game. You guys remember the first Carolina game in 2021 when Henry Coleman came in? Mm-hmm. And yeah. mm-hmm. like Duke went from down like eight to tied. Yep. So Sean reminded me of. Yeah, no, it's a little stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's that's exactly right, Jack. Like, it's a little stuff like that. Energy plays, hustle plays, you know, being able to jump, take the lobs, those types of things. Um, that that's what you would have seen. That's what you would have seen out of Sean. And and like like Coach P just said, like for long stretches, that's not going to change Arizona's game plan. Right. Like I said, in my opinion, the only person that would have changed Arizona's game plan, because I think we would have been able to get him the ball, and it did briefly change their game plan, was Christian Reeves. Just just because of where you can put him on the baseline. That's the action that we were missing that entire game. When you had a guy sinking back all the way underneath the basket, waiting for somebody to show up, you have somebody in that in that baseline spot that would have completely drawn the defense either back or forced them to to not be able to play that job coverage the way they did. All right, so to wrap this one, go ahead, go ahead, Popey. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm good. No, I was, I was going to kick it to you anyway because I was going to ask you something off, uh, off topic of this, but go finish this statement and I'll bring it to you. Pause. No, I was just going to just caveat off that and just saying, like, yeah, you know, bring a guy like Reeves in that opens up a whole new dimension, uh, of what Duke can do as far as you know, throwing it over the top for the lob, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, yeah. you're not doing that with other guys, so. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. Yeah, and to, to stay with you here, I was going to ask you real quick before we switch over to the Michigan State preview. Both Boozer twins were there for their official visit. The way that they played mm-hmm. on Friday night, does that change anything recruiting-wise? Or is it just like, you know what, you know, like people win, people lose. It is what it is. They saw the atmosphere. They saw yeah. what was going on. Do you still? I mean, where where do you stand? Actually, I'm not even sure I asked. Like, where do you stand with where the boozers are? I know it's early. Yeah, no. I mean, I I still feel the same. I, I feel good. I don't think that you know winning or losing it never changes a recruit's mind unless the team just looks absolutely crazy out there and like the coach just looks lost or some shit like that. Then you know that could change. You know, to where people would be like, uh, I don't know if I want to play for this guy. You know what I'm saying? But that. That shit, it did, dude could have lost by 25, and it wouldn't have mattered, you know what I mean, as far as recruiting, because they know it's still Duke, and you know what you're going to get 
when you come to Duke. So, I mean, I still feel good about that recruitment. Um, you know, I know people say that Miami's leading or whatever. I just don't buy that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the, the ties are there, the relationships are there, and it just is what it is. You know, the boozers are, you know, very low key. They're not all, you know, they don't want the, the glitz and the glamour. They're just chilling, man. You won't hear much about their recruitment. Um, but, you know, I mean, we're, we're good. We're good. I'll just say Fair that enough. we're good. Perfect. Perfect. Um, all right, so let's switch gears here then and talk Michigan State. Uh, AC, I'll start with you. Obviously, every time we play an opponent, I start, you know, with you. I feel like in this scenario where we're talking about Michigan State as our opponent, I ask you to break down the film. I ask you to tell us about, you know, who they are. But we've already seen, Jane, you expose them. <laughs> on the road, you know, three and zero college game day, going to Harrisonburg for football. It's, mm-hmm. it's all it's all JMU right now. We got to ride that momentum. But yeah, go ahead and talk about this game for as as it applies to Duke, though. And you already talked about a little bit of the matchups, but mm-hmm. where where are we at? First, I'll, I'll get it out of the way because this is just the the fan talking. This is the of course, Michigan State is going to have the best game of their life against us on Tuesday. That's just a fan of me saying it, just getting it out of the way. But if we're really actually talking like basketball and talking who they are as a team, they're they're not a great team. I didn't think they've. I didn't think preseason. I didn't think they were a great team. I didn't think they had. They have some talented players, but I didn't think they had the continuity, and they definitely don't have the personnel that Tom Izzo usually likes to run out there. He's he's a guy. He talk about people with trust. Like you know, we're worried about John and TJ Power and so. You know, playing TJ Power and some other guys like Izzo, like you got you have a, a game changer like Xavier Booker, and he's sitting them on the bench. He plays eleven minutes a game, like he's barely playing. Izzo doesn't trust him yet. Like that's that whole I don't trust you thing that that he does. Um, horrible shooting team. I mean, Pablo and I were watching. We were just talking and watching the uh, the game <laughs> they played against Southern Indiana. Terrible. They like even from the mid range, not just a three from the mid range. Awful three. Awful. Didn't get good looks at the basket. Southern Indiana could have been up double digits in that game if they really wanted to, but they just happened to be a worse, <laughs> worse shooting team than Michigan State was that night because Michigan State's defense also wasn't forcing Southern Indiana to do anything that they didn't want to do. So they, they lack size. They don't have – mentioned it before. They don't have that big guy in the interior that Izzo typically likes to have, at least not yet anyway. Um, Suzuko's an undersized big, doesn't take up a lot of space, doesn't move well outside of his area. I, I, I'm with Paul. I think this is a game that we just, this should be a game we crush. Like, I, I, I really mean that. I, f- I feel like we should win by 15 plus this game. I really do. Yeah, Pablo, what do you got? I'm on board with AC. Um, I just think that, you know, Shire is really going to look at the, you know, the scouting report and the game plan and he's going to devise something up that, you know, that should be, that should be work for us because if I'm Duke, I'm not guarding anybody outside the three point line. I'm going to be one step in a three-point line and say, well, if you want to shoot it, go ahead, bro. You got it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everybody with the exception of Tyson Walker, that's the only person I'm yep. guarding. And that's just yeah. being straight up honest. I'm not I'm not even worried about nobody else. And the thing about it, too, is that they don't have, like, a dominant big man score. So that's another thing that's going to – that should play in our favor. Um, we just got to, you know, just got to play disciplined defense and don't get, like – don't flip, can't get, like, the, the – cheap fouls you can't foul Sissoko like that's it's no benefit in that whatsoever man like he is not a threat 
whatsoever. You know what I mean? He's a hell of an mm-hmm. offensive rebounder and he's got a motor, but he can't pick up no cheap fouls on guys like Sissoko or Cooper. He can't, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because those guys aren't going to, you know, really come in and just, you know, make that much of a difference on the inside. They're not going to score 15, 20 points on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the wild wild card for them is probably, I would say Malik Hall, but man, yeah. I mean, we know anyway, Malik's yeah, going to shoot, really shoot. He's going to shoot from the elbow. He's going to shoot from the top of the key. That's it. Yeah. He might get a, he might get a yeah, baseline he's gonna jumper shoot. too. That's all. Turn around, you know, jumpers from the baseline yep. and probably will make one out of eight. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's uh, everything is playing in our favor, but it's just, it, it, for some reason, every time we play Michigan State, it's always like a one point, one possession game, man. It's always right. a one possession game. Like they come out and they play like the damn dream team against us, man. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Well, it's gonna be, the, thing, the thing is they're due. They're due. I mean, they they have to hit some shots at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, I hope it's not on Tuesday. They can save that shit for the next opponent. <laughs> I hope they shoot. I hope they shoot like shit, and I hope we win by seventy eight points. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping for. Because they're they're in the same boat as us, right? They only have a couple days of rest. They have the same same. Yep. They got still got to travel. Like you know, mm-hmm. they're in the same boat we are. It's not like they had a bunch of practice to prepare for us. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah, right. And, and- and not only that, but both, you know, Duke and Michigan State lost to teams that are, you know, potential Final Four teams. Arizona, <laughs> you got to stop. You got to stop. <laughs> I'm just I was kidding. Like... I mean, come on now. I'm just 3-0. Yeah, 3-0. Um, all right, so let's get to, let's get to a uh, couple predictions here, Jack. I'll start with you. Prediction for Tuesday night, 7 p.m., Eastern time, 6 p.m. Central. Michigan State, what do you got? So Duke hasn't beaten Michigan State in the Champs Classic since 2017 when Grayson Allen put up 37. So I'm going to say that our senior captain, Jeremy Roach, leads the way. Not with 37, although that would be awesome. That'd be pretty sick. Um, But I I, I do think he'll put up up a 20-piece. Um, lead the way for Duke. Uh, give me seventy-eight to seventy-one. All right, I'm I'm going eighty-two sixty-eight. I'm with you. Oh, I think wow. eighty-two sixty-eight. I, I I just at some point I have to be right here. Like at some point, Duke and Tyrese Proctor have them. You know, have that game where Tyrese says, "You know, enough's enough. I'm going to show you. I was wrong." Against Arizona, you know, he only had eight and eight, only had eight and eight, you know, against Dartmouth. At some point, big stage, he has to step up. And it's only game three, I know that. But, like, I'm ready for my predictions to be true with Tyrese Proctor. You know, Tyrese going to have 21 and eight against Michigan State. Yeah, 82-68. Pablo, what do you got? I'm going to go with uh, 73-67 Duke. Oh, okay. Not 78 nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say 70, 73 to fucking zero, but that's (laughs) that's unlikely. So I'm I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go 75 to 60. I just, I, I I don't think their offense is any good. And I, I don't, I don't want to buy into the regression theory that they're due. Like they're bad. 
they are really bad on offense. And and this is going to be a game. You know I think who's racing? What's up? Yeah, you know who's do racing? If if we're going by that logic, Louisville. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, exactly. there we go. We haven't got Louisville right? in the exactly. podcast, right? Yeah. No, screw, <laughs> screw, screw being due. I'm with you. Yeah. Is Kevin Payne still the coach there? Yes. For, for the next like for day now. or two. Oh, I didn't know after they lost to the Chattanooga. For now. Like, I, you know. No, I think uh, I think this is one of the, one of those games that Izzo will have to go back to the drawing board afterwards. Uh, this uh, three Good. days rest. Three days rest. That's not enough time for that Michigan State team to prepare for this Duke team. I'm sorry. Nope. 7560. All right, there we go. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. We're back. All the fans will be back on board the bandwagon. They all dropped off after we lost Arizona at home. It's fine. We were going to be fine. Brian Young was a will step it up. And guess who else is fine? John Shire. He is the guy, he is the game. He's the reason that he's the coach here. Don't start dropping now. He is the guy. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Also, make sure you guys check us out on Patreon. Check us out on Twitter, Five Point Play Podcast. We got a new coach's corner up for you. Check out Jack, Duke.mbb, Pablo, Coach P. Kong. All right, you know we're the Five Point Play Podcast. D, get better. We'll see D soon. All right, guys. Peace. Peace.